Welcome to Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times, produced by the Department of Journalism and Digital Communication at the University of South Florida. Here is your host, Professor Elliot Weiser. Hello, everyone. The Tampa Bay Times is well-regarded for its award-winning investigations. In December of 2023, the newspaper turned its attention on a dusty green powder from Southeast Asia. It is called Kratom. If you are like me, I had never heard of Kratom before reading this amazing piece of investigative journalism. Over the next three episodes of Florida In Depth, we will explore Kratom and its deadly potential. Joining me today are two of the team of journalists who worked on the story, Helen Freund and Sam Ogazolik. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So for our listeners who have never heard of Kratom, please tell the audience what it is and why it can be dangerous. Yeah, so Kratom is a psychoactive substance. It's derived from the leaves of a Southeast Asian tree. Uh, it's a tree that's grown widely across Indonesia, which is really where the majority of all the Kratom that gets imported to the U.S. comes from, like 90% of it. And once it gets to the U.S., I mean, it's it's first it's dried, the leaves are dried, they're crushed, it's milled into a powder. And then once it gets here, it really does, it takes a lot of different forms. So you can find it in, in powder form, uh, you can find it in concentrated extract form, you can find it where it's simply brewed into a tea. Uh, the, the teas you'll find really commonly, especially around here in Florida, you'll see them at kava bars, places that advertise themselves at kava bars, but actually make a lot of their, their revenue from selling these kratom teas. And then you'll also definitely see it at gas stations, uh, online, smoke shops, um, a variety of, of some, some natural food stores. Yeah, and um, so so it it acts. Um, there's it's a there's a main chemical chemical compound uh, called metragenine, and uh, it acts sort of like uh, it binds to the opioid receptors in the brain. So it can have a couple of different effects. In lower doses, it tends to act a little bit more like a stimulant, uh, meaning so it can give you energy, uh, help with focus, stamina, and then in in larger doses, it really acts a lot different. It acts a lot like a sedative, and it has in a lot of ways an opiate like effect too. So what we found is that a lot of people are using this to help with um, withdrawals from opiate use disorder um, or chronic pain, but they're also using it to help alleviate uh, depression and anxiety, things like that. Um, where it gets dangerous is that it's it's unregulated. So there's really no one to say, this is how potent your product can be, or this is how much you can take, especially if you're taking other prescription drugs or over-the-counter medication. And so it's really kind of a, it's a scary place for consumers where they really have to determine what is safe and, and what isn't. So if Kratom is dangerous, why why are people using it? Uh, I mean, you know, many people say it, it's effective. Um, they're seeking um, some way to self-treat uh, a range of different ailments, whether it's chronic pain, um, anxiety, depression, um, opioid use disorder. And scientists do believe Kratom shows therapeutic promise. Um, the, the compounds, at the very least, within the plant. Um, some want to use the herb to create a gentler treatment for opioid addiction or a painkiller that comes with a lower risk of overdose and medications already on the market. Because to jump off what Helen said, to be clear, um, it binds the brain's mu opioid receptors, uh, metragenine or mitragynine specifically, um, making it similar to painkillers like fentanyl or oxycodone. But it's not as powerful. And, you know, metragenine and the other chemical compounds in the plant, which are called alkaloids, um, they also interact with serotonin 
serotonin receptors linked to mood enhancement. So it's a very complex pharmacology, and it seems like that's reflected in the user population. Um, the number of people who are using it um, for a wide range of um, different things. So you mentioned Kratom comes from Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. Is it used differently over there? Yeah, it is used differently over there. Um, traditionally, it's uh, the leaves are just crushed and brewed into a tea. That's that's really about the extent of, of how it's used. Or eaten raw. Mm -hmm. just pluck, you know, you might pluck a leaf off a tree and then chew mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And widely available, I assume, in South Southeast Asia? It depends. There's um, Depending on where it's grown, um, it, certain countries have different laws governing it. Um, in Indonesia, it actually also occupies a somewhat gray regulatory space at the moment. Um, it's not available for sale in Indonesia, but it is still legal to export it. Interesting. So mm -hmm. how has the availability and use of Kratom in Florida changed over the past few years? Well, what we found in our investigation, what we did is we we started noticing that there were just a few reports um, coming out uh, from parents that had filed wrongful death lawsuits in some cases or were simply uh, going online to forums and saying that their child had overdosed uh, from a kratom overdose, had taken too much kratom and had died. And that's what the, the medical examiner had ruled. Um, now, at the time, the, the dominant narrative, which was spearheaded also by the um, kratom lobbyists, is that it was impossible to overdose on the substance and that also it wasn't really that dangerous you know there wasn't really anyone talking about how it was obviously going to lead to issues with addiction or or that there you know there could be dangers involved so what we did is we did a public records request looking at overdose deaths across the state of Florida um, where anyone had overdosed um, we just wanted to know whether whether anyone had overdosed um, and that was caused by kratom or or kratom was listed as a contributing factor and what we found was that that number was a lot higher than we expected. Um, more than 580 people in Florida died of kratom overdoses, and of most of those were really, you know, in combination with another drug, fentanyl or heroin, oxycodone. Um, but 46 of those people died solely from using kratom alone. So as part of your investigation, you purchased kratom at various locations and had the product tested. So let's spend a couple minutes. What what did you find in the testing? It, this was a very interesting part of the. It was all great, but I've really found this fascinating. Absolutely, yeah. One of the one of the chief concerns among scientists is the difference in how products are consumed in the U.S. versus in Southeast Asia. In Southeast Asia, reports of overdose deaths are few and far between. Um, here, um, the numbers are drastically higher. Um, the reports of harm associated with kratom are, are just, there's, there's much more. Um, so they are very worried about the types of products available on the market in the U.S., uh, especially concentrated forms of kratom. So I was referencing metragenine earlier, one of these psychoactive compounds in the plant that affects the brain. Um, some companies, some vendors are creating products um, where they have much more of that uh, compound than a traditional fresh leaf form of the plant would have. And you might find these at gas stations. I, 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 I tell this story every so often. I was at a Circle K here in St. Pete a few weeks back just getting gas. 
and there's a bunch of five-hour energy shots for sale right at the cash register. And just to the left of it, there was a bunch of similar vials, and they were actually kratom shots, and they were like a concentrated extract form of uh, kratom. Does it say kratom on the on the bottle? I can't recall exactly. I believe it did somewhere on the bottle. I don't know how prominently it was, but... Um, you know, to that point, you know, researchers are concerned someone who is unexperienced using Kratom, and this might be their first introduction to it, might not even know what it is. Um, they might mistake it for another product, like a five-hour energy drink. And in reality, they're ingesting something that's um, much more potent than what's consumed in Southeast Asian countries like Malaysia or Thailand. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to better understand that risk. Um, because what, one of our key findings is that the product labeling uh, on Kratom in Florida uh, is not uh, entirely illuminating or adequate for consumers. You know, we bought um, some uh, plastic bags full of green powder. You know, no labeling whatsoever mm, really? on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've we've bought uh, products with no list of ingredients. Um, some products disclose um, the amount of some of the alkaloids in the plant, such as metragenine, or its more potent cousin, 7-hydroxymetragenine, but they don't list some of these other psychoactive compounds. So we really want to understand what is in this stuff because of the inadequacies in the packaging and also understanding of researchers' concerns um, about the potency of some of these products. And what we found is that... Um, particularly liquid extract forms and even some pill forms um, are just much more powerful than um, dried leaf powder or fresh leaf ground up or chewed on in Southeast Asia. Very interesting. So, Helen, you mentioned there were over 580 kratom-related overdoses through 2022. Uh, 46 of those were just on kratom, but most of them involved a second substance. Let's let's take a deeper dive on that. So what are people combining Kratom with, and why is that concerning? You want to get this? Yeah. Yeah, I'll get get this one. Um, There's, um, you know, it runs the gambit. Um, We found that more than 580 people had overdosed on Kratom and at least one other substance. Um, Many of these cases, it was um, Kratom and two other substances or three other substances. It might be... um, Kratom and fentanyl, kratom and fentanyl and methamphetamine, kratom and cocaine and fentanyl. Um, you know, I, I believe it was over three quarters of the cases involved fentanyl, um, and it's, you know, it, it includes uh, common prescription medications that people also overdosed on, um, alcohol. Um, there wasn't necessarily um, most of the drugs. Um, that were in the data, um, you might see, um, you might you might think of as illicit substances. Mm-hmm. So, based on your analysis, were there any notable demographic or socioeconomic patterns among individuals who experienced the kratom-related overdoses in Florida? Uh, a lot of white men, um, geographically, um, East Coast counties um, saw high death tolls. Um, You know, Orange County actually topped the list, um, but Duval, Palm Beach, Broward. So some of the population centers. um, uh, Over here in Tampa Bay, um, there weren't as many as some of the East Coast counties. Any guess? Is that that just random or any guess why? 
It's really hard to say why. I mean, Florida has such a well-documented history um, with the opioid epidemic. Um, and, you know, in particular, some of those East Coast counties have seen um, there's a, you know, a large proliferation of um, uh, rehab facilities, uh, uh drug treatment industry. So, uh, you know, it's widely available across Florida. Um, We've definitely, we've seen it everywhere. So it's it's hard to say. Interesting. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear about three people who took Kratom. Never miss the news that matters. The Tampa Bay Times has the Bay Area's largest newsroom and is your source for reliable reporting. With 14 Pulitzer Prizes recognizing its commitment to the community through high-quality journalism, The Times provides the news you need from the source you can trust. Find local stories, investigative reports, things to do, updates on Florida politics, and more. In print on Wednesdays and Sundays and 24-7 at TampaBay.com. Pursue the truth. If you work in the media, communications, or marketing industry, this message is for you. Take your career to the next level by getting your master's degree from one of the top journalism programs in the Southeast. The journalism department at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, is offering a master's degree in digital journalism and design. And the best thing about it, you can do the entire program from home. This online curriculum can be completed in as little as one year. The program is professionally accredited and provides students with an informative and practical education taught by well-respected professionals and academics. The cost is reasonable. The experience is invaluable. For more information, please call 727-873-4881. That's 727-873-4881 or go to www.usf.com. Edu slash journalism. And now back to Florida in depth with the Tampa Bay Times. So let's personalize the story now. Please share with us the uh, tragic story, Jonathan Dampf. Yeah, Jonathan Damp was uh, a case that we came across pretty early in our reporting. Um, he was one of these these overdose deaths that we came across when we were looking through medical examiner reports. Um, and he lived in Palm Beach County, and he was. Um, he was a 33-year-old man with um, a, a, you know, a history of drug abuse in the in the past, but someone that had really overcome that. He had a similar story to a lot of people who come to Florida seeking sobriety. He came here from the East Coast. He was trying to get his life back together. He went into a, a rehabilitation program, and he got clean within three months and was really like on his way and working towards um, becoming, you know sober for the foreseeable future. And really, he stayed that way throughout the rest of his life. Um, And he became someone that really people in the community counted on, too, as someone who could really help guide them. He became a sponsor for, I think, you know, maybe even more than 100 people. Um, He became very involved in his church uh, rehabilitation program. And so, but throughout this all, he also was someone who suffered from anxiety and depression. And that kind of got worse as the years went on. He had a daughter. Um, who he got married, he had a daughter, and, um, you know, she had uh, significant uh, special care needs, and the bills were adding up, and he told his 
wife, you know, that he was really having a hard time and, and that he had started taking Kratom. Uh, he found it, you know, he found narratives online that described it as something that would help him with his depression and anxiety. And, you know, she wasn't very happy about it. He tried to stop it. He said that every time he tried to stop, he would start having stomach aches and sort of going into withdrawals. Um, but then he eventually did say that he stopped taking it. Um, but then at some point, it, it seems that he might have started taking it again. Um, he ended up overdosing uh, one night at home. They, they were watching a movie together. She, his wife was sick and she was upstairs in the upstairs bedroom and he was downstairs. And um, his roommate came home later in the evening and found that he had overdosed. And uh, paramedics found him and he was taken to the hospital. But he um, they they did determine that he died from a Kratom only overdose. He had no other substances in his system. Sad. Sad. Navy veteran Jonathan Roby looked to Kratom to help him with his post-traumatic stress and anxiety. Tell us that story. Yeah, Jonathan Roby, I mean, what, like when we speak about cases where someone is overdosing on uh, Kratom and other substances, in particular substances that are available um, over like by prescription or over the counter. So in Jonathan Roby's case, he was a uh, 38-year-old Navy veteran and he had post-traumatic stress disorder and he was also dealing with a lot of anxiety. And he wanted to find a way to like wean himself off of some of these prescription antidepressants and anxiety medications. And so he started taking Kratom and, um, you know, not really knowing that the combination of Kratom and these medications that he was taking could could prove lethal. And so uh, one morning, it was just before sunrise in uh, June 2021, he started convulsing inside of his Deltona home and he then had a cardiac arrest uh, and died. And a medical examiner later would determine that he died from mixing Kratom with venlafaxine, which is a common antidepressant. Uh, he also had heart problems, liver disease, and obesity, which were listed as contributing factors. Finally, share with the audience the Jay Rhodes story. Yeah, Jay Rhodes, um, he he was a young man who had struggled with drug abuse for a while. His case is is really, um, it mirrors a lot of the cases that we saw where someone had been addicted to opiates and was trying to take Kratom to um, wean himself off of those and and really replace um, opiates with Kratom. He was a former combat engineer in the U.S. Army Reserve, and he had blown out his knee during training and ended up getting prescribed oxycodone and then addicted to oxycodone and later um, addicted to street drugs. Uh, I believe he was taking methamphetamine. He was he had taken heroin and fentanyl. Um, but he had found Kratom, and he really thought that it was the thing that was going to help him uh, get off these opiates for good. He told his mom that, you know, he was doing everything he could to stay clean and that it was helping and that it was all natural. It balanced him out. Um, but eventually, as, you know, happens in a, few, a lot of these cases, he ended up relapsing and... And he ended up, I think it was a week before his 41st birthday in December of 2020, um, his mom and his wife ended up finding him dead in the bathroom of his Mayaka City home. And later, a medical examiner would determine that he had died from taking both a combination of metragenine or kratom and fentanyl. Three tragic stories. I have one more question for both of you. As you were working on this story, what surprised you the most? Sam, we'll start with you. What surprised you the most? 
Now, before uh, Helen called me, I think back in November of uh, 2022, maybe, I, had no, I hadn't heard of Kratom. I wasn't aware of it. As soon as I heard about it, I started to notice it everywhere, um, on the at smoke shops, at gas stations around Tampa. Um, you know, I, I think what surprised me the most is kind of the lack of awareness of some of the potential risks with using the substance. Um, you know, a, a lot of people swear by using Kratom, and they say it does help them with a range of ailments. But um, I, I think um, what researchers are finding, um, you know, definitely should be um, disseminated to the public, you know, the potential for drug interactions between Kratom and other substances, even fentanyl. Um, you know, so some of the, the lack of awareness, I think, was what surprised me the most. And I hope, um, you know, people found our reporting beneficial and at least uh, know a little bit more um, about Kratom if they are going to try it. Um, they're they're going to use it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to piggyback on what Sam said, I mean, I really do think I was shocked First of all, you know, to to find out that there were people overdosing on on kratom alone, because I really was under the impression that that wasn't something that was possible. And then what the other thing that really surprised me was, and I know you guys are going to be talking about this more at a later time, but the the prevalent the the, the prevalence of it on the market, but also the the regulatory gray space that it occupies, and really just the lack of information out there for consumers that are trying to trying to help themselves and trying to make the right choice and don't really have a lot of options out or education out there. And I appreciate that promotion because that will be the topic of episode <laughs> six. <laughs> Helen and Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Excellent work on, on this along with your team. On the next episode of Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times, we will discuss the Kratom supply chain. Please remember to share this podcast with your family and friends. Until next time, I'm Elliot Weiser. Thank you for listening to Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times. The podcast is produced by the Department of Journalism and Digital Communication at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg. Executive producers are Elliot Weiser and Michael Van Sickler. Producers are Ashlyn Baker, Emerson Taylor, and Kendra Reese. Production assistants are Alexa McClure and Aidan Connell. And our director is Chris Campbell.